0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio brings you prescribed listening from our trusted contributors at the Ontario Pharmacists Association.
1: Welcome back. Well, it is being called an epidemic. As of 2015, 3.4 million Canadians were living with diabetes and another 5.7 million were considered pre-diabetic. Those numbers are expected to increase by 2025, and that means that many of you have been diagnosed recently, many of you have been warned that you're at risk, and many of you have been living with diabetes for a while. Not to mention that many, many people are walking around with diabetes and are just not aware of it. So it's critical to keep this disease under control, and your pharmacist is a great asset. And today we have... Two pharmacists here to talk about it and to take your calls. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 I'm here with Nayan Patel, who is our trusted contributor from the Ontario Pharmacists Association, and... Joining our team of trusted contributors and advisors, Jaspreet Dhaliwal, who is also a pharmacist uh, with the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thanks for having us.
1: Okay, so (laughs) um, let's start diabetes. uh, So, what are somebody who's newly diagnosed and comes in to fill that script for the first time? um, What do you tell them?
2: Well, that's an interesting question. So we do tell them that it's going to take a while to learn about diabetes. And there uh, it is very complicated. There are a number of things that we need to teach you. It won't happen in one hour, not even in a day. It's going to take some time. So. We work with what we think is really important to that patient right off the top. And we ask them, what, what do you think you need to learn about? And we take it from there. And we teach them one thing at a time. We encourage them to go to a diabetes education class so they can learn about it. But the pharmacist can now do diabetes meds checks. And we can sit down with patients and we can spend half an hour, 45 minutes with them and go over a lot of the top important things that uh, that person needs to know about.
1: And just Preet... As with any other serious di- disease, so presumably you were diagnosed by your doctor and your doctor had an initial talk with you, but uh, especially when it's complicated, that doesn't always, uh, you don't always absorb that.
3: Oh, the information you mean that the doctor yeah. is presenting you? Obviously, no. Um, it takes a while for patients to um, grasp the um, the how complicated diabetes can be and how many aspects there are to controlling diabetes. Um, And like you mentioned before, there's a lot of people that are not diagnosed or not screened. So a lot of the focus that we have as well is prevention and screening and making sure people get tested, um, get their blood sugars tested, uh, because a lot of them do sit in that pre-diabetes range where they're not fully diagnosed as diabetic, but their blood sugars are still pretty high.
1: Uh-huh, and uh, can you tell that from the other stuff that you know about a patient?
3: It would be in their blood work that we would know, but they typically- di- um, doctors are actually starting to treat pre-diabetes at this point because we've found that long term that it makes sense to start treating earlier than later, so sometimes you'll come you'll see a patient come in who doesn't have all the, their blood work. Work doesn't suggest they're diabetic, but they are in the pre pre stage of diabetes, and they're they're being treated with medications.
1: Okay, so uh, again, somebody comes in, probably it's it's a bit of a shock, uh, and they understand that things are going to be changing. So, what are kind of the first things you tell them?
3: Um, So, one of the main things is, like Nayan said, is to tell them that it's, it's a whole bunch of little things that makes it work all together. The good thing that we have in terms of resources is there's been a lot of work done, and there's a lot of different healthcare providers that can help and put it all together for the patient. So their components of treatment will include Diet and will include exercise, possibly, and will include medication. So it's all of those things together. It will also probably include um, uh, things to prevent complications from happening because we know the disease well enough to know that there's certain complications that will likely happen if the sugars aren't um, controlled. Yeah. Um,
1: So uh, before we go to the phones, how receptive are people? I mean at first you know we've talked about lifestyle things changing your diet adding exercise that can be that's very tough for people and i'm also assuming that uh you know like with last week we were talking about quitting smoking that it's not necessarily going to work the first time you try
3: yeah I- I think what they say is generally, even with smoking, it's like five attempts before you actually, you know, it's actually successful. And every single attempt you make uh, makes a difference. And I think diabetes um, has become like it's AKA sugar, like I have high sugar. And it's kind of people don't really understand the complications that can come of it. So our job is obviously to to let people know what can happen.
1: Yeah. So what are you, Ney and are you scaring them into uh, complying or?
2: Sometimes you have to, I think. And a lot of times, I think the first question I get is, will I have to take this medication for the rest of my life? And, you know, in some cases, it it is true that you might have to. But usually what I tell people is, let's start on the medication. Let's get your sugars under control. Then we can coach you through the diet and the exercise. We'll show you what you can eat, maybe a little bit of weight loss, and maybe you can get off the medication for a little while. And that really helps people understand that, no, I don't have to take the medication all my life, and there are other things that I need to do to get myself back on track. And once they make those little changes, um, they can feel more comfortable. I think once they have the knowledge, they feel less scared.
1: Okay, uh, let's take a call from Siva in Toronto. Hi, Siva.
4: Hi, Libby. I just wanted to say that diabetes is not about changing your diet. It's about the way you eat. And the, the reason being is that we are eating all sorts of foods. We, we have uh, all the cereals in the morning, like roll oats and so. That is a bad thing to eat because by the time you finish that, your blood sugar goes up to about 12, and it's full of starch. Just and a minute, oats is, are bad for you? Yes. I. You know, I have a lot of friends who eat it, and I recommend them Don't have roll oats, don't have all those starchy foods in the morning. Have a cup of soup, and you're better off. I was told I'm a diabetic, and I said to the doctor, okay, give me three months. I don't want to take any pills. I will modify the way I eat because I knew how I ate. And within three months, my sugar went back to 5.8, and this has been going on for eight years now, and it's 5.4, 5.7 and there's
1: no problem that's uh that's you know that's that's exactly the kind of story that we like to hear it's somebody who basically got a scare yeah and yeah. and you changed a few things and you got it under control and you don't have to take the drugs but um uh Jespreet, you wanted to say something.
3: About the, the diet? Yes. Uh, yeah, it, she's, you are correct in that it is, it's modifying your diet. And um, we never want diabetic patients to feel like they have to give up anything in life. It's yeah. modifications and eating the right food. So rather than eating a really starchy, sugary cereal, eat something with more fiber. So yeah. it's just making those kinds of choices in life. So you, we don't want anyone to ever miss out on you know, the good things in life.
4: Yeah, just a quick say, because like myself, I used to consume two liters of ice cream in two days. What? (laughs) Yeah, I I was really bad, and I realized because my parents weren't uh, diabetics and they were in their 80s, so I knew that it wasn't a, a genetic disease, it was the way I ate, and I ate really crazy, and I just stopped that. I didn't cut out any ice cream, but I didn't have two liters. Oh, oh,
1: yeah, you, you cut back on it then. Yes, yes. Okay, well, uh, I think anybody would say that two, a liter of ice cream a day is maybe a little bit too much. I know, I
4: know. I, know. I was bad. Okay, I was
1: bad. and now you're good. Siva, thanks yes. for your call. Okay, and I'm 72. So good for you. I'm great. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am here
1: with our trusted contributors from the Ontario Pharmacists Association. We're talking about diabetes, but uh, they're happy to take any of your calls and questions about pharmacy-related issues. We're going to go right to the phones. We've got Linda in Toronto. Hi, Linda. Oh, good afternoon. Um, I'm coming to
5: share uh, some of my experience related to diabetes. Go ahead. I am a diabetic person for many, many years, and uh, it is a very serious illness and needs a lot of um, uh, following instructions and um, control yourself what you're eating and also maintain exercising. Medicine does help, and without the medicine, I think people will, uh, will not stay alive for uh, for a long, as long as, you know, others do when they look after themselves. And uh, sweets and alcohol and, uh, you know, treats with uh, carbohydrates as, uh, you know, good bread or sweet bread and raisin bread. All that stuff with carbohydrates are killing the person. Mm-hmm. So exercise after eating. Uh, every four hours only eating, small portions, lots of vegetables, and um, just you know, maintain uh, your health uh, you know, in any way you can with your eyes, with your arthritis, whatever would that be. All of these are a combination of helping yourself. Doctors cannot do everything, neither the medicine.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting you 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 said exercising after eating and I remember seeing a study recently and they measured taking a walk um after dinner, a short walk. Like We're not talking about, you know, breaking a sweat here. After dinner versus taking a short walk at another time, and it was really much more beneficial to do it after dinner. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, the old days. It used to be, uh, in a lot of places, a kind of tradition. After dinner, you went for a walk, but people don't really do it anymore.
5: It is very important. Any kind of exercise, swimming, uh, biking, uh, walking, uh uh, yoga, uh, dancing, anything that will uh, will burn the um, you know the uh, f- food that we eat uh, that will help out. Fat is also very bad uh, issue. Putting lots of butter on your bread, no, nothing sweet uh, actually. Uh, generally vegetables first in the morning, then your breakfast. That way you maintain the sugar low.
1: Sounds like you have it uh, all uh, under control, and and you know what you're doing. Uh, Linda, thanks for your call. Thank you, too. Any comments on what you just heard?
2: Well, you know, everything she was saying was, was right on. And, um, and that's what you have to do. You have to watch all those things. Going back to, you know, the exercise, um, how, how it lowers your blood sugar. I tell a lot of our patients, measure your blood sugar uh, right after dinner, okay? And then go for your walk and come back and measure it again. And then you could see how much your sugar levels go down and you see the effect of the walk or the exercise after your meal. It's incredible. And once you see that number drop, two numbers, you know, drop, you'll be sold and you'll be you'll actually want to exercise right after you, you eat.
1: That's that's a, that's a great idea.
3: Yeah, and, and the other thing to it is that um, because the way diabetes affects other parts of your body, your cardiovascular system, so your risk for heart attacks, stroke, all these things are also impacted by the amount of exercise you do. So it all kind of fits in together. So, you know, you help your diabetes, yes, but you also, you decrease your risk for these other complications as well.
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to get to a couple calls, but I also wanted to ask a question about, I know that your feet are... Yep, That's uh, one
3: of the organs, yeah. That, yep. Yeah, can get so uh, just before we take a
1: call, just briefly
3: tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so what kind of tends to happen is your nerves get impacted. Um, so, especially in the extremities and your feet, um, patients have a difficult time, for example, if they've cut themselves or scraped themselves on their feet. They wouldn't necessarily feel the pain, and infections can progressively get worse because they never know that anything's going on because they don't feel the pain. So, we usually recommend that they see. Patients, see see healthcare providers that will maintain and take care of their feet. Um, Yeah, because there could be serious side effects.
1: I've seen people had to amputate toes. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's exactly what could happen. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, Let's go to Sarah in Toronto. Hi, Sarah. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm fine. My sister had
6: pancreas cancer and she had a whipple. Yes. Operation. That was 15 years ago. Wow, good for her. 15 years. And she died four and a half years after.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, yes.
6: I took a course in John Hopkins Hospital for diabetes. The main thing is the eyes, the teeth, the gum, and the feet. Not one doctor here in Toronto says that. They put you on insulin, they put you on medication, and they'll tell you exercise and stop eating
1: um and and uh, uh just pre yeah uh...
3: i mean i I can add to that that's very unfortunate if that that is what happened um the truth is that it it is multi multifaceted the treatment for diabetes does involve a lot of healthcare providers um but we it, it, even in the pharmacy, like Nayan was saying we do have a diabetes meds check, a medication review, review, and you almost come up with a an action plan or a care plan for that patient. So they have things like they're going to somebody to check their feet, they're going to somebody to check their eyes, um, do they have nerve pain. There's a lot of... Um, what
1: can happen to uh, your eyes and your gums?
3: Um, so your gums, um, they can get affected um, cavities yeah cav- it's just the, what we uh, usually recommend is getting dental care like make sure you go to your dentist make sure because your gums can get affected um and then for the eyes it's because of the um macular arteries.
6: degeneration
3: macular yeah, macu- yeah 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 vas- uh, sorry the gum macular degeneration.
6: degeneration the teeth they have to come out if there is an infection in the gum right yeah. so- and the feet nobody took up their toenails yeah, under a lot
3: of care. Yeah, it's exactly, and it's also yeah. So it's their toenails, cutting them, but also if they cut them and they accidentally cut their skin, yeah, they might not even know that they've oh god induced like it, yeah. An so infection.
1: have a professional do it. Yeah, um, Sarah, thanks very much for your call. Thank you for uh, for taking my now. Okay, bye bye. Thank- okay, so well, there are a lot of, as you said, a lot of things to think about, and a lot of. um I, I would call that um, maintenance that you have to do, right?
3: Yeah, so you need to support, you need to manage the disease, but then you also have to help prevent the complications from happening. So there's lots of resources in healthcare too do all of that
1: okay we've got Solomon in mississauga Solomon, did i just talk to you about hydro rates
7: you just
3: did okay
1: this is like twice in twice in one show okay i'm
7: lucky listen um (laughs) this is very controversial and i don't really believe it i'm a pre-diabetic i've been pre-diabetic for a while uh recently i got on the um uh, metformin two in the morning and two at night and even though i'm taking them the um Uh, The reading throughout the morning and and at night, uh, even throughout the day, uh, 9, 10, and so on, until I um, accidentally, I love maple syrup, uh, I started taking some maple syrup just for the fun of it before I go to bed. Lo and behold, it's low in the morning. This morning, it was 7.2 in comparison to 9.9 or whatever, 9.8 or 8.2. Uh, last night it was 5.9, and it's been like this uh, for the last week. Now, does that make any sense?
2: <laughs> well, you got uh, you got me because I, usually the maple syrup has sugar in it, and uh, should raise your your blood sugar. Um, so, seeing lower um, rates and in, in lower readings in the in the morning is kind of odd. The only thing I can think of is that. Um, if your blood sugar is low when you go to bed, um, your body has a counter-regulatory system, and which which means that if your sugar goes low at nighttime, your body will compensate and produce these uh, um, counter-regulatory hormones which can increase your, your blood sugar. If that was happening before, then sometimes what we do is we tell uh, patients to have a small snack before they go to bed. But really, I don't recommend that unless I see a lot of readings. So I have patients, when they come in, I say, let, let me. I want you to go home and I want you to check your blood sugar three times a day for the next week. I want you to fill it out on the chart and bring it back to me. And let me see what the readings are. And I want to see what you're eating as well. So once I take all those things into consideration, I look at your readings and I look at what you're eating, I have a better idea of what's happening in your body.
1: Uh, and uh, are you suggesting that it, it wouldn't, uh, you know, you could have something... Other than maple syrup as your snack before you go to bed, and that would work?
7: Yes. I've also taken cheese, uh, a slice or two of cheese, uh, which I've always done that. I've taken peanut butter and jam. But only when I started on the maple syrup um, that I I started to notice it's a drop.
1: Well, why don't you chart that to make sure that, uh, you know. Yeah. That's
7: cool. I am. And and I'm just so amazed. And you know what? I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's full of sugar. Maybe there is something in the maple syrup that we haven't discovered yet. And it doesn't mean that it works for everybody, for the sake of those who are listening. Don't go and gobble down a whole (laughs) liter of maple syrup before you go to bed.
1: Okay. Yes. That's good advice for people who are diabetic. (laughs) Don't go and gobble down maple syrup.
7: And I just wanted... It may be working for me for a little while.
3: I also just wanted to add one comment. Um, Just in like when we look at your control for your blood sugar levels, yes, we do look at periodic uh, or daily logs, but then there's also tests that are done uh, every three months or every six months by your doctors, and those will give you a more holistic picture as to whether or not the maple syrup was truly in fact controlling your blood sugar levels Um, so I'd say you can you can wait to see what those results say Um, yeah
7: (laughs) and I agree Uh, when I work vigorously around the house now that spring is here um, that has something to do with it however the maple syrup came into the picture before I started the vigorous work
1: Okay, well there you go. It might be you might be ascribing to maple syrup what exercise is actually doing. Solomon, thanks for your call.
7: Good talking to you again.
1: Okay, bye bye. Uh well there you go. You <laughs> never you never know, but there I think he snuck that in. He started exercising around the time and maybe uh maybe the good news is that h strenuous exercise can offset that maple syrup.
3: Well I, I think also that um people just need to know like that they uh we often have we think that certain things will help us but it it is really important to log and check your blood work and also sit down with somebody who knows how to um tell who knows diet plans and how to make simple modifications that can help your blood sugars as well
1: okay uh i i want to just touch on um People that we alluded to who have no idea they have diabetes, they're walking around with it, it's not a good thing. Uh, what are the things that maybe – give me some risk factors uh, that maybe people who have these risk factors should should go in and be tested.
2: So we'll maybe focus on the type 2 diabetes because that's main, yeah. the main population. So if you're, if you're in your 40s, um, you know, regular checkups with your doctor, great idea. But if you have a family history of diabetes, I would consider you start looking into it much earlier than waiting for a diagnosis. Um, So start trying to change your diet so that um, you're eating healthy. But age has one thing to do with it. Uh, Family history, your race has something to do with it and your body weight. So if you're um, You're,
1: so, what are what ethnicities are at greater risk?
2: So if you're South Asian, if you're um, from Africa, African nations, um, you're at higher risk of having uh, diabetes. Um, Could be something to do with the diet, but mainly just just race. So. so have, if you if you're, have any of these risk factors, make sure you're getting checked out from the, from the doctor. And uh, Jaspreet was talking about a blood test that they do. It's called your A1C. So know what your A1C level is. If it's above 6, start um, modifying your diet right away.
1: Above 6. And uh, is 7 some kind of threshold?
2: 7 is a threshold. If you're a diabetic, our goal is to keep your A1C below 7. Uh, but when you are above 6, then we start to um, consider that we sh- we need to maybe make some modifications.
1: Mm-hmm. And where are most people?
2: So m- mostly below 6.
1: Mostly below 6. Mostly below 6. Okay. Uh, and anything else that people, so are are the people who w- are walking around with this but don't know, are they usually uh, overweight, sedentary, that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I, I would say for type 2 um, diabetics um, that – usually there are those risk factors that are, we call them modifiable sometimes. You know, the, they are, tend to be overweight, um, abdominal obesity, so just around. Um, yeah, they, they, those are also some things that if they have, they should probably get checked, to, checked out sooner than later.
1: Okay, well, thank you so much to our trusted contributors, Nayan Patel and Jaspreet. Wall and Jaspreet, I look forward to seeing you thank again.
0: You. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.